Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. But I was reading um, an op-ed in the Toronto Sun headlined, Powerful Health Officials Need to Be Made More Accountable. And uh, it's by Ryan O'Connor, who's a partner at the law firm Zayuna, and his client, uh, Jason Fielden, Mr. Fielden will be joining us shortly, is actually challenging the Ontario provincial pandemic restrictions. And uh, Ryan O'Connor joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Mr. O'Connor, thank you very much for taking the time. And I, I found it very interesting what you wrote, and I completely agree with you. Until COVID, most of us had very little idea of the power of public health officials or their involvement with our daily lives. But, boy, we've become aware recently with political leaders abdicating, I think, sometimes, and I'm not knocking the, 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 the public officers of health, but abdicating their responsibilities as political leaders. Well, good to be with you uh, this afternoon, Roy. That's been a, a huge issue. Um, we expect our political leaders, be they at the provincial level or in the case you're referring to the municipal level, to be uh, accountable for decisions, to take into account the fact that we're in right now a, you know, a global pandemic, to balance uh, the health needs of the population with their economic needs, also understanding that by providing for a person's economic needs, keeping small businesses open actually helps their health needs. And for far too long during this pandemic, we've seen at the local level, mayors from Mayor Tory in Toronto and elsewhere in the province have really just abdicated their role, completely deferred to local medical officers of health who are municipal officials uh, to essentially set policy uh, for them. Um, you know, this has been a, a pandemic that's really been governed by public health officials and not the people that we elect to represent us. Yeah, and it's happened across the country. It's happened at the federal level, at all the provinces. Each premier has at some point or another deferred to their public health officials. And I'm not just saying that they should ignore them. Neither are you. But there are times when you have to come to some um, thought, thoughtful conclusion or, 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 or effective measure. And I've spoken many times with Dan Kelly, the president of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, representing small businesses in this country where they employ more than 8 million people during good times. And Mr. Kelly uh, constantly expressed his concern that small businesses were closed because of the decisions of public health officials and and the acquiescence of the politicians who didn't take into consideration that the box stores were not right next door to the small business. The box stores were open and essentially torpedoing the future of the small businesses. Well, we've, we've not really understood the justification from public health officials, again, at the provincial or local levels, for why, at least in the case of Ontario and some of the um, more restrictive zones that we have right now, why a small business can only be open for curbside uh, pickup that's been prearranged on the Internet or on the telephone, but Costco and Walmart and large retailers can be open in some parts of our province at 25% capacity, other parts of the province 50 and uh, beyond. 
why aren't the rules applied equally across the board? Why is there a percentage capacity limit for a large multinational retailer like Costco and Walmart, but there's a, a, a hard closure, a curbside pickup only rule for our local small business owners? These are people in our communities to work hard, to put food on the table for their families, but also employ people in our communities. So public health officials, I haven't heard a single uh, justification uh, that makes any sort of sense as to why we can't apply, if there are going to be restrictions, why they can't be applied across the board. We're privileging large retailers at the expense of our local family-run uh, stores and have been doing so, frankly, for the entire pandemic. I absolutely agree with you. I'm curious what the response has been to your op-ed, and particularly this line, during the pandemic, politicians reluctant to make difficult policy decisions have deferred to MOHs. Um, and, and but in so doing, have emboldened them to exercise nearly unrestricted authority. What's the reaction been? Well, I've received a lot of uh, emails and private messages about the op-ed, and I think the, the main reaction that I could sort of summarize for your listeners, Roy, is that a lot of persons didn't understand that our local medical officers of health in our province in Ontario have almost unlimited power to set policy on their own. They're not only advising uh, local councils and uh, mayors about uh, restrictions and closures that should be applicable. They're also advising the provincial medical officer of health here in Ontario, but they're also setting their own policies. Sometimes, uh, you know, when the province, in our case, started to reopen a, a few weeks ago in certain zones, local medical officers of health have actually made business reopenings more restrictive. So they've contradicted what the uh, what the guidance and the data has been on which the province relied to reopen by setting their own rules. We don't know uh, what data they're using, uh, but their uh, their powers, at least in Ontario, at the local level, are almost unlimited. They can put very serious restrictions uh, on the ability of businesses to operate, individuals to leave their homes. And I just a lot of persons just didn't realize that that was the case, and they reacted uh, uh, with some you know a degree of shock in response to my article when I when I outlined that. You also wrote that MOHs, Medical Officers of Health, should be required to report to local councils every 30 days while class orders are in effect. My sense has been, Mr. O'Connor, that again, even at the municipal level, many politicians have been only interested in repeating what the Medical Officers of Health have had to say uh, and, and and rubber stamp everything. And I'm again, I'm not attacking the MOHs, but th- there was there were times when thinking seemed to be absent. Well, and and in Ontario, if a, if a medical officer of health locally wishes to impose, we call it a class order here, um, that has the impact of restricting the local economy. So, for example, all all small retail stores should be shut, etc. Um, or you know, you're restricted from taking reservations from people who don't live in that community if you have a restaurant or a hotel. Then, you know, reporting, the reporting requirement that I've suggested be incorporated into our legislation here in Ontario would, would force medical officers of health to justify their restrictions, uh, to put a report before council, which obviously would be publicly accessible so that councillors could ask questions. Right now, of course, there's deference to public health officials for mayors and councillors because uh, there, there's no real public discussion about what they're advising. They simply state, well, the medical officers of health has said, we need to shut these stores, we need to shut these businesses, and we defer to the science and defer to the medical officers of health. Let's flip that on its head. Let's you know make them accountable by, by asking them to report the results to council, and we can have a legitimate uh, and respectful debate about the, uh, the, um, the propriety and, and how appropriate these measures are. 
Yeah. Uh, again, I'm quoting from your op-ed. If politicians are going to cede policymaking to unelected public health officials, those officials ought to be accountable for their actions taken in the name of those they replace. Public health officials acting like and replacing politicians ought to be treated as such, lest our democracy become merely a dictatorship. That's interesting. Um, and I had to read that word twice before I got it. Um yeah, and you say that the response, and by the way, when I said people aren't thinking, I was thinking more of the politicians than the than the doctors, but so the overall response, and we're going to talk to your client in just a moment, Your the overall response to your op-ed has been positive. Uh, it has been. Uh, you know, again, medical officers of health do have a role in our communities. Everyone, uh, I think, understands that and appreciates that there should be officials who are responsible for dealing with uh, uh, disease outbreaks or making sure that restaurants are sanitary, make sure our water is, uh, is safe to drink. Okay, no just one we... I've heard is criticizing them from that perspective. But when they step into the realm of policy making, step mm-hmm. into the realm of, of creating economic restrictions, then I think they should be held uh, just as accountable as the politicians that, that they're ultimately replacing. Give us a 60-second rundown, because we're going to talk with Mr. Fielden in just a moment. Tell us about your client, Jason Fielden, and what he's bringing to the table. So Jason is a co-applicant in a constitutional challenge, a charter challenge to uh, Ontario's ban on uh, team sports. He's a, uh, he's a youth uh, football coach and his kids play uh, competitive sports. In Ontario, uh, most, uh, most sports are completely banned. In some areas, you can only practice. Others, you can't play team sports entirely. Uh, Jason and his co-applicant, Glenn Edwards, are alleging that uh, it violates the charter rights of children, major junior hockey players, and everyone in between. Um, from being able to get together with one another to uh, associate. Uh, we think it's discriminatory on the basis of age, um, and that's prohibited under the Charter. And it also uh, you know, violates uh, children, teenagers, and adults' rights to uh, preserve their mental and physical health by, uh, by engaging in, in team sports and athletic activity. You know, the NHL has an exemption. Six other professional sports leagues have an exemption to operate in Ontario, but for some reason, kids can't get on the ice. They're stuck on the bench. We think that's not only unfair, it's also unconstitutional. Okay. Mr. O'Connor is representing Jason Fielden, uh, one of his clients. And uh, as Mr. O'Connor told us, Mr. Fielden is a dad and football coach, and uh, he's challenging the ban and the restrictions on youth sports teams. Jason, thank you very much uh, for, for taking the time. And I can only imagine... How frustrating this is for you as a father and a coach whose kids want to play at a time when they kids have so much energy to burn off. But please, in your words, what is most disturbing to you about what's taken place? Okay, thanks, Roy. Thanks very much for having me, first of all. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what's happened to the kids, I guess, young kids and youth and even all the way up to college athletes is they've really lost their identity and, and people, I've heard lots of people say, well, uh, you know, take them for a walk or uh, have them run around the basement a bit and that kind of thing. And, and sports is really a lot tied into their identity, but then it goes further than that. There's in, impacts on their self-esteem. There's impacts on their, you know, we've seen impacts on our daughter's personality. Uh, she became very reclusive in some of the lockdowns. Uh, there's, I know there's people dealing with ADHD that use sports for coping that don't, don't have it as an outlet. Um, obesity, there's, you know, there's suicidal thoughts. I've heard a lot of stories like that. So there, there's a lot of really scary effects that are happening right now. Did you try before you decided to go the legal route? Did you, what other routes did you try to, to, to make the impression? Because what you're saying to me and what you're saying to our listeners across the country, and what makes absolute sense to the vast majority, uh, I think to the vast majority of listeners, did you try other routes? 
Yeah, we. I mean, the first route you take is just uh, giving it some time. You know, a year ago, we understood the situation was unknown. There was a lot of things unknown, so maybe we deferred a little bit uh, to the stronger side of our reaction. But then as time has gone on, you're hoping that some of the new information and data will be reflected in the strategies and you start to see that it's not. We're just heading down the same road on things. And that's where we've gotten to a point where we, we felt we have to take action. We've we've contacted our MPPs many, many times. Uh, we've contacted other MPPs in other areas. And we just have typically gotten a party line when we bring up some of these these concerns. And we know that, uh, like, I coach, so I know lots of families and kids, and we know the devastating effects that are happening. We know a lot of people are concerned, just like we are. So, Ryan, in the case that's now been brought forward, what are you asking for? What are, what are your expectations? And, uh, well, yeah, what are you asking for and what are your expectations? Well, first and foremost, we're asking the court to uh, uh, to uh, decide that the complete ban on team sports and the restrictions that occur in other parts of the province with respect to uh, uh, sports uh, are um, they violate the charter. There's three sections of the charter, as I mentioned earlier, that we believe uh, are engaged. Um, and we're also asking the court to look at the fact that sports are being played safely already in this province. There are seven professional sports leagues that are allowed to operate as normal. Why can't youth sports leagues and youth team sports recreationally or competitively abide by uh, the same uh, by, abide by the same rules? Public health officials have decided in this province it's completely safe for certain sports to to be played, uh, but not others. Um, there really needs to be fairness um, applied across the board. But we're asking uh, the court to uh, uh, to make the decision, as we believe uh, it is, that these uh, that these rules, uh, the mixed bag across the province from bans to restrictions. Uh, are unconstitutional uh, and discriminatory. And Jason, when you talk about the uh, the impact on the kids, including your kids, um, all the kids are, they love playing sports. They love getting out. They want to be with their friends. Social activity is so incredibly important to young people. If this were to continue, if uh, if youth teams were to be ordered to be continue to sit without any consideration for the developments that are taking place and, and the, the hope that there is in vaccines. What, do you, how, what are your greatest concerns about what would happen to kids? Well, I think, you know, children are very impressionable and they're just being formed in many ways. Their personality, their self-esteem, how they see the world, all the things. There's a lot of things they learn in sports, leadership, camaraderie, how to be part of a team. Uh, working hard, failure, success, all these things. How does, how do the kids learn these things? And uh, the socialization aspect, uh, you know, it impacted our, our daughter's younger. She's uh, just turned 10. It impacted her, I think, more because she's a, a little bit younger. And it really changed her personality. The first lockdown was very, very hard for her. And, and we learned a bit from that. Uh, and, and I think did a little better this last time. But yeah, I mean, it's just dramatic effects on who they're going to become when they when they grow up. And like Ryan said, there's a there's a real asymmetry here. If we can have professional, really, the only people who can play right now in Ontario are professional male adult athletes. And we know in other geographies, you have non-professional, non-male, non-adult athletes playing at all different levels. Even in Canada, we're a big football family. I know there's leagues that operated a full slate of youth football teams in the fall, and it went off completely perfectly. 
Um, so, and those are in provinces where they, you know, the case rates are, are very similar to, to Ontario. Right. Right. So the asymmetry question is is one that we might would like answered. Okay, uh, I suspect there are families not only across the province of Ontario who are nodding their heads and on side with you, but right across this country because the issue of sports and kids and getting out and being active and doing it carefully and with proper supervision and health uh, options in place just makes absolute sense. If you want to hear more. Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 